The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella. It is a pleasure to have you here this week, and it is a pleasure to be joined by my co-host, Zach Sloan. How's it going, Zach? What's up, Ryan? How you doing, my man? I'm doing so well. Man, your space looks cooler and cooler every time I get to talk to you. What a amazing fortress of solitude you've built for yourself as a musician and a music producer just just a cool little cave you got there i'll tell you what if you just have 10 guitars it looks cool and that's exactly what i've done I, like but it's not just the guitars now don't get me wrong the guitars a nice addition okay right there on your right you got a pretty sweet set of guitars there but i like the piano uh what's what do you got going on there in the back is that a bookshelf is that a record collection what is that that is a bookshelf where I have a lot of indie, like music industry books. There's also some legal uh, treatises on like copyright, trademark, and that's also where I keep my Dungeons and Dragons books. So you know, it's very, it's got a lot of, the, it's got all of, all the important stuff back there. You were telling me this during the pre-interview, and I've known you for at least three, four, five years now, long time. Word. And I did not know until right before we go on the air, you just dropped this on me. You know, with. And, and giving me very little preparation on this, <laughs> that you are a huge Dungeons and Dragons fan, which is something I could talk to you about for a long time because I think that's genuinely interesting about you. And you just dropped this on me now. So much of a Dungeons and Dragons fan, in fact, that that thing next to you, which looks like a tiny guitar case, is actually not. What is that? That's where I keep my dice, dude. <laughs> of course. Like. Like if you're if you're a D and D nerd, you got like a lot of people have the classic nondescript velvet bag of some sort, which I've turned around because uh, they're not paying me to advertise their whiskey. But uh, the dice box is really the guitar dice box is really where it's at. How many dice do you have in there? It's that looks like quite a quite a collection. So because uh, because. If I critical hit on certain rolls, I need three times the dice. I have probably 15 in here. Well, everybody knows uh, that. <laughs> yeah, you got to have a lot. And, you know, a couple D20s, four D20s, some D6s, you know, the basics. Quite a setup. And I think the thing that was most intriguing to me about your love of D&D is the fact that, I think it was like three, four weeks ago, we had on Jason Charles Miller, who... In addition to the many cool things that he's done as an indie artist and a Twitch streamer, is also involved with the Twitch program Critical Role, which is a huge Dungeons & Dragons show. And I feel like you must be a little miffed that you weren't co-hosting that week. Okay, inside baseball for all the listeners. Ryan reached out to me a while back and said, hey, would you be interested in doing some co-hosting? I was like, absolutely, this sounds like a blast. I love the show. And then I saw that you were having a Critical Role person who did the music on... And I missed it. And I was like, dude, dude. But then you put me on with Ariel Hyatt, and I was like, I can't complain. Okay, that's, that's, that's sweet. That's a good person to be attached to, in all fairness. Now, pardon my ignorance, Zach. All right, I'm, I'm really not trying to insult you with my complete lack of Dungeons & Dragons knowledge. I'm coming at you, like, legitimately wanting to learn. Why is Critical Role such a big thing for Jason Charles Miller to be involved with? I mean, I've never actually seen the show. Is this like a Dungeons & Dragons program? Do they play a game on the stream? How does it work? So, it is the premier content if you want to watch people actually play Dungeons and Dragons. There are anywhere between six to eight to nine or ten, like, and they have celebrities on, like people who outside the nerd world you would have you would have seen, and they all sit around a big table and they have excellent camera and sound work, but they just live play their friends D and D game for like three to four hours at a clip. And the production is amazing. They're all voice actors. So since they're all voice actors, it is like watching a table read at a show. It's amazing. So like almost like a just a yeah, like a like a stage reading, a radio play of sorts. Like they, they I guess they really get into yes. it. Oh, radio play is perfect, except whenever like battles and things happen, they get their little miniatures out. And they ha they're like sponsored by some company that makes miniatures, so they have these amazing setups where they move their characters around the battlefield and fight dragons and stuff. It's dope. They actually, you actually must love the current state of discourse about Dungeons and Dragons because 
in the old days, we tend to stereotypically associate Dungeons and Dragons as being the province of like the nerd shut-in. And now between uh, the Stranger Things and the popularity of you know programs like Critical Role and what's happening with TikTok and sort of the Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons community that exists there, there's a bit of a Dungeons and Dragons renaissance going on right now that just must make you really happy. It's it's awesome because it's cool like, now. It's it's a blast, and kids like you know during the day I teach elementary, and I've had kids who come up to me. They're like, "Will you show us how to play?" And I'm like, "There's not there's rules. You just like make it up. It's fine." Uh, it's become a part of just culture now, as opposed to a subset of like nerd culture, which is which is really good to good to see happen because it gives an outlet for a lot of people, kids and adults, to goof off and give themselves permission to be ridiculous and crack jokes with their buddies in a basement. Ain't nothing wrong with that, and, and as, uh, I, I can certainly enjoy that dynamic because I love sitting here cracking jokes with you. And you know, <laughs> I, I'm not—I don't have like 15 dice in my hand, but you know, I'm, I'm getting some of the vibe from it. I'm sure. Let me tell y'all a little bit about our guest coming up later in the show, Jane Jensen. So excited to be talking to her. She's been in the game a long time. I love these indies artists, these indie artists that have been doing it for years. Right? Where they, you know, much how you, Zach Sloan, were playing. Dungeons and Dragons before it was cool. Jane Jensen was an indie artist before everybody wanted to be an indie artist. And she grinded and she's made some cool albums. She's made some really interesting artistic pivots in her career that are that's going to be cool to talk to her about. She's a great musician, producer, actress. Uh, you're, we're going to love talking to her in the next segment. But first, uh, got some pretty cool news to share with you on the Apple front. I'll say this, Zach. In, in the episodes that we've done up until now... We've really catered a lot of our programming toward musicians. And I think that a lot of that's because that's how we sort of started. That's where I got my start in entertainment law was working with artists. But I wanted to resolve as we moved more into the live streaming world to be a more inclusive space to all forms of indie creators. And so I want to make sure that we're you know talking about stories that are particularly interesting to all forms of creators. And so I thought this new announcement by Apple – uh, on podcasting was really exciting. Did you hear about Apple Podcast's new subscription service, Zach? Well, and I, as I understand, there's money involved for the creators. Yeah. Which and is, a, I'll tell you what, yeah, go amazing. Ahead. Yeah. A- amazing because you make a podcast, you know, not a lot of money in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I can attest. Well, but it's something that needs to change because these this is as you said creation and in its own way you can there are podcasts I listen to that I think constitute a form of art in spoken word and storytelling and it is as deserving as a medium as any other so this is great news to me it is an exciting development and it's going to change the way a lot of artists interact with the podcasting medium so to catch everybody up apple just announced this was yesterday, so this is a, you know, pretty hot off the presses. They announced that they're going to revamp their podcast platform, which I think is still the most popular podcasting platform, Apple Podcasts, I and mean, Spotify is nipping at its heels. But launching next month, Apple Podcasts is going to create Apple Podcast subscriptions, which will allow any podcast creator who creates podcasts on Apple Music, including yours truly, to have the ability to offer a premium subscription option in addition to the free podcast. So if you're a podcast creator and you're uh, distributing your podcast on Apple Podcasts, as most podcasters are want to do, right. you can still, you'll still be able to offer your listeners the standard product. But now you can offer a higher tier uh, premium service where you can have your listeners pay a subscription fee and in exchange you can offer them an ad-free version of your episode or bonus content or early episode access And what I like most about this platform is that premium podcasts and subscription-based podcasts, those have always existed for the popular, you know, the Gimlets and the, you know, the Corolla podcast, you know, the the well-known names, the Earwolves, they've always had this option. But now it's been democratized. So any podcaster can now set this up with Apple to have – to allow them to offer subscription-based premium content – it's only a, a, a one t- uh, annual fee of nineteen ninety nine, and then uh, you can start charging these subscriptions. And of course, Apple gets their cut. They're going to take thirty percent of the subscription revenue in the first year, 
and 15% for all subsequent years thereafter. Apple always gets their cut. Yeah. But it's it's interesting to me because this to me, this is a game-changing thing for podcasters, not just because they're allowing any podcaster on Apple Podcasts to now offer subscription-based content, but to do it through Apple Podcasts specifically is kind of a game-changer because technically anybody can offer a premium podcast, right? Like if I have a Patreon account, I can say if you are a patron, I'll send you my podcast and it's a special free one. But because, but you know, most people aren't going to listen to a podcast that's just sort of sent to you, right? It's only mm-hmm. if it's on your phone, on your existing podcast app, fully integrated, are you going to take the time to listen to it? If you have to do any more work than that as a podcast listener, you're probably not going to enjoy the content. And so now you are now any podcaster through Apple Podcasts can offer their listeners a frictionless subscription premium podcast experience. And that to me is pretty exciting for any podcaster. Well, I think and you hit the nail on the head. It, the previous way for podcasters to try to monetize their work was Patreon. And I I I give month there's a podcast I love that I give 5 bucks a month. They send me email stuff that I listen to every now and then, but really I just like the podcast. Yeah. This to me sounds like a way that not only can the podcast monetize what they're doing and get paid for the work they're doing because it's not easy making a podcast, but also as a listener, it makes it easier for me to to engage with the content I want to hear. So you've had that same friction filled podcast as a podcast yeah. listener because yeah, I also I, I also patronize. I guess is the right word, although it sounds insulting. Yeah, I don't know what to call it. I'm also a patron. <laughs> Of several podcasts, uh, you know, chief among which is on top of my mind is Maximum Fun, which is one of my favorite podcast networks. You know, love my brother, my brother and me, and uh, Mission to Zix and all the stuff they have there. And yeah, because of that, they send me episodes early, and they go to my email, and I never listen to them because I'm not going to click an email link and listen to a podcast. I'm only going to listen to it if it's on my phone. So I can walk around the world and do my laundry and whatever else I'm going to do. If, if it's tethered to my email, I'm never going yeah. to listen to it. But now with Apple Podcasts, you're going to be able to give your listeners that frictionless premium experience. And it's my hope to bring it back to the music industry right after I just promised I wouldn't just make this about music. <laughs> um, it's my hope that it's going to bring more musicians into podcasting. That's always yes. been a cause of mine. There are so many great artists out there who I think would be naturals at podcasting uh, to sort of give your fans an extra window into your creative process to give your fans a, a window into how you make music and just, and just your daily lives. Podcasting is a great medium for that. And a lot of musicians just generally have stories to tell and you can tell some of those stories through music, but why not tell some of those stories through podcasting? And for a lot of musicians, the answer is I don't do that because there's no direct way to make money, but now there is or at least starting next yeah. month. Yeah, and there's a direct way to make money, and there's a way because, you know, time is money to any indie creator. And if you're doing something, you have to see how does – do your fans like it? Will it in- increase engagement, and will you be compensated for that time? This makes – seems to me like a way to not only encourage uh, musicians to go into podcast, but, in podcasting, but to marry the two. I can envision musicians already who are doing a podcast about the songs they're releasing and doing episodes, much like something like Song Exploder, but it's the artist – doing their catalog and that to me sounds very interesting and to be fair we've we've seen a few artists dabble into this medium mm-hmm. uh, i mean even in terms of folks we've had on this program before charlotte erickson the glass child right, right. has one of my favorite musician-led podcasts and I, I would encourage anybody to check it out because for the reasons you mentioned zach right she gives you a window into her process and you feel like you get to know her a lot better beyond the music the other thing about Charlotte Erickson's podcast, and I would uh, recommend anybody check it out, uh, be, I think it's called Behind the Glass, is her voice. She has one of those voices. Just, I mean, it is just the, it's like audio, uh, just velvet. It's just yeah. one, like you could, I could listen to her read the terms of service for the latest Apple product and find it so enjoyable. And so, like, it fits her really well because of her voice. But even artists like MXM Tune, who's a, you know, really popular indie artist right now, she has a podcast that her fans have fallen in love with. So there's a, there's a real lane here. And, again, by making premium content more seamless through Apple Podcasts, hopefully more artists get into this medium. But, but to make it more expansive so that we're not just, you know, because, you know, I, I promised that we would make this about other creators as well. 
every form of creator, live streamers, uh, visual artists, whatever kind of indie creator you are, having a podcast accompany your already existing content offering is just a, a really great way to go. And now having this premium option makes it all the more exciting. So I, w- I would encourage all creators, look into this. This might be right up your alley. And, and what better time to get into podcasting than right now when there's more monetization options than ever before? I love it. And I think that I hope that, that we see more. I can also see other people. I can see a marriage of almost any type of media talking, using a podcast to promote and explain what they're creating. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll close by imparting the same piece of advice that I, I often give to musicians in this field, because I've I recommended to a lot of musicians start a podcast. And the thing that I've often been told by these artists is, why would anybody want to listen to my podcast? You know, I'm an artist who knows, you know, who's just trying to start my career. I know nothing about the music industry. And, you know, why would anybody want to listen to my podcast? And my answer is always, you should make a podcast about how you're an artist just getting started and you're learning about the music industry. And I mean, how exciting would that be to let us join, to have you have us join you on your journey? And by the way, if I'm one of these artists, what better way to get free advice from you know the Ari Hurstons and the Ariel Hyatts than to have them come on my show as guests and just you know, share stuff every week and then I just get all this great advice for free? Uh, and Ryan, you nailed it because two years ago when I quit my day job to pursue music, I recorded three episodes of a podcast that I never released because I was like, does this time further my career? Will I be able to like help pay the mortgage? And I, I walked away because I didn't see a way to monetize it really at all without ad revenue. And now this maybe two years ago, if this has existed, exists, maybe I pursue that a little bit further. And I hope some indie artists do pursue it further. All I'm hearing right now is that Zach Sloan's going to be launching his new podcast, May 2021. Let's all <laughs> I, I'm going to go ahead and pre-subscribe to it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's already in there. Let me just you know take a quick look. And, <laughs> Boy, that that'd be a fun little show. I mean, you already got the great studio set up right there. You pr- you make a pretty you know bang up podcast. Um, the only thing more obnoxious than me being a co-host is me being the host. <laughs> uh, I would enjoy that, but only if it has like a break in the middle where you play Dungeons and Dragons with your friends. We tried to do that too. That's that's a whole other story, my man. Oh, tell <laughs> me that. Tell me those episodes are somewhere. I, I need to we, find those. <laughs> <laughs> there are about a hundred on my hard drive and they will never see the light of day. Ah, drat. All right. Uh, before we go to break, I do want to mention, and this is going to be music related. Sorry for alienating everybody, but uh, one more piece of Apple news that uh, kind of blew my mind is a couple weeks ago on the podcast, Spotify had this whole campaign, Spotify loud and clear where they were going to pledge to be more transparent about how they were, you know, doing their streaming rates, right? And they had created this whole website, Spotify Loud and Clear. We're going to answer all your questions, except they were didn't answer anybody's questions about the streaming rates, and including the most basic question of how much do you pay artists per stream? And they couldn't answer that question. And Spotify was like, it's complicated. We can't get into the numbers, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, Apple Music comes out and says, we'll tell you exactly how much it is. It's an average of one cent per stream. And just lays it right out there and gives you a number, which, by the way, is more than twice what Spotify is paying its mm-hmm. artists based on, uh, you know, what some people have published Spotify's rates are. Like, a cent a stream doesn't sound like much, but it's a lot more than what Spotify is paying, and it does multiply more. And I do compliment Apple Music for actually being actually transparent in this regard. And I, I hypothesized, Zach, on Twitter that the reason why Apple Music can ch- uh, pay artists so much more than Spotify has to do with the monetization model in the sense that Spotify has an ad-supported free version and a paid version where you can pay a subscription. And Apple Music is just you can pay a subscription. There is no free ad-supported version. And I just have to imagine that the paid version just, you know, when you – when you only have a subscription option, it just brings more money into the system and they can pay out more to artists. It's the only thing I can think of. Why else would there be such a disparity? Well, and that makes sense to me because as an indie artist who checks my you know, financials and sees how much I'm making from Spotify versus how much is coming in from Apple Music, 
I make more with few, met many fewer listeners on Apple Music than I ever pulled in from Spotify. Is that and right? I think. Oh yeah. Um, in fact, at one point, I remember. And I don't. I don't do a lot of ad advertising on my own music now because I just don't have anything new to release. But when I do, you'll hear about it. Uh, but at one point, I remember like looking, doing the math, and like, wow, my nephew is worth like ten Spotify listeners because he's on he has an iphone you know and it was like that's that is ridiculous but kudos to apple for not only being trans or I, apple music whatever being transparent but also seeing the opportunity to get a leg up on their competition because i thought that was a beautiful sort of judo move of t taking spotify's momentum and using it against them it was a remarkable feat of shade throwing on the part of the uh -huh. fruit company for sure because there's no way they're making that announcement unless Spotify, you know, does that transparency campaign that they just completely botch, and they just see an opportunity to really make Spotify look bad. Oh, for sure. And you know what? Whatever. Because as you and oh, uh, Evan and Lisa, who pointed out this like three weeks ago on this show, right? Like on your show, Spotify wrote the questions that they didn't an answer. <laughs> like, I forgot about this. Dude, you guys did it. You guys did it. Listeners, do yourself a favor. Go back like three episodes. Listen to that. That I was la dying laughing in my car because Spotify was posing questions to them to themselves on their own FAQ page. Yeah, on their own FAQ page, and didn't answer them. <laughs> and here comes Apple Music saying, "Uh, yeah, a cent per stream." Yeah, and it's like there's no debating that. It's like okay, cool. At least you're telling me. Yeah, and I, I still it's worth mentioning again. It's worth mentioning again the. The FAQ that was on their webpage of, we've heard we you pay, le hey, Spotify, we heard you pay less than one cent per stream. Is that true? And their answer was in just a, a, just a real rhetorical trick. They said, hey, we pay more in royalties to rights owners than, in total royalties to rights owners than any other streaming service which is only true because they're the largest streaming service yeah. and thus pay the most royalties. It's like if you, as I said on that other episode, it's like if you said to McDonald's, hey, McDonald's, you don't pay your minimum wage workers enough. And they say, hey, we pay more in total salaries to our minimum wage workers than right. any other fast food restaurant. Of course, you're the biggest one. Don't be proud that you give Ed Sheeran his bag of money, all That's right? right? Like, uh, I just, the, the spot, Spotify, I have a... a interesting relationship with because it is the most used platform and when i when people listen to my music oftentimes that's where they default to um but i love every app every aspect of apple music more and i just hope that they grow i hope that this grows and more people make the jump although i think you're gonna have you know android versus uh, ios stuff but i i just hope in my heart of hearts and the deep despair of my soul that apple music overtakes spotify oh Sounds good to me. I'm an Apple user. All right. Uh, <laughs> we're coming up and after the break. We're going we're gonna to have some more fun. Talk to Jane Jensen. Don't go anywhere. Keep listening and watching to break the business. Ryan Carella here. I hope you're enjoying the show, and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you. A lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm, RKPA, does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Carella, PA, Miami, Florida. Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life. Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. 
You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTB Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. Thanks, me. We are back, folks, and so excited to have you here. We got uh, great stuff coming up. We're going to be bringing in Jane Jensen in just a little bit. But first, Zach, I, I have the pop culture itch. So many great pop culture things have happened. I feel like this is us turning the corner on the pandemic, Zach, is all of the TV networks and movie studios are starting to tell us about the cool stuff that's happening. And they're, they feel like they can tell us it again because the world is returning to normal. So much so that the, to me, the number one signifier of us, you know, finally taking down this dreaded virus once and for all is that we have a new Downton Abbey, Abbey movie coming out. And that's, that's all you need. Like the, you know, much how like, you know, the when when the cicadas come every 14 years, that's like a, a big major event. Like when the crawlies show up, you know that the, uh, you know, the virus is over. The crawlies beat the Spanish flu, Zach. You know, they the, did. They, well, they, all of them did, except wow. for uh, except for uh, Matthew Crawley's uh, first, you know, fiance or whatever. She didn't make it. Or, or, or and, and didn't Lady Sybil die? Anyway. Yeah. So all, most <laughs> of them made it out of the Spanish flu. And now they're here to get us out of COVID because the, the, the Crawleys are interesting people. They just announced the, a new Downton Abbey movie coming out in December of this year. Were you a Downton Abbey fan? Did you love the Crawleys, Zach? I'll tell you what. I, my wife and I will go see it, but let's, let's see if anybody picks up this reference. I'm not going to drive there. That's not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. We got some, <laughs> one person. Uh, it, no, Downton, Downton Abbey, it took me a minute to figure it out. And I still don't know if I understand it, but I like it. <laughs> and my wife loves it, and that's all, you know, she, call, she calls the shots. So I'm excited. And plus, I'm also excited for just something that is not some other weird weird reboot of some old of some movie from my childhood. This, this sounds interesting. It's at least from on, this millennium, so you're excited yes, about it. Yes, <laughs> exactly. It's not like we're going to do, you know, I don't know, whatever – insert random movie that's been remade 10 times i'm with you zach downton abbey was an acquired taste for me as well i mean on paper i never thought i would get into this show i'm not into shows about the british aristocracy i'm a i'm a red-blooded red meat eating american what do i care about like landed gentry and old-timey lords and ladies and all this stuff like that this shouldn't appeal to me on paper and yet you know, I get five episodes into this, and I'm just like, oh, my word, Lady Sybil shan't marry Tom the chauffeur. He's but a humble commoner. What shall happen to the distinguished house of Grantham? You, just, you get so into, like, the silliness of it and, you know, just all the weird, crazy names like, oh, Lord Flibbledy Gibbet has come to town, <laughs> so the Craw Crawley family must prepare a dinner party for him. And, you know, you just love it. It's just it's you know, rich people being naughty. It's great. It's and what's wild, and the writing is exceptional. There's no denying that. What I love about Downton Abbey is like my wife, who watched all of Breaking Bad with me, likes Downton Abbey. My father-in-law, who watched The Walking Dead and Breaking Bad, likes it. Somehow, it makes that jump from people who are into action, suspense, adventure, horror still can appreciate it because I think it takes a lot of suspense elements, but distills it and puts it in a way that are sneak that sneak up on you. Yeah. And they keep your they keep your attention in ways that only good writing can do. So hey, it, I'll, it, I'll check it out. It's all about the writing and it's all about the acting. Because in the abstract, why should us as viewers care about what happens to these aristocrats? Like, oh no, they might, you know, they might lose their their massive estate because you know m of modern times, and we don't need we don't need you know lords and ladies anymore. This is the twentieth century at this point, and you know. We shouldn't be rooting for them. Right. <laughs> like, in America, we fought a whole war so that we didn't have to have these kind of people running our lives. And yet you get so invested in this family. I don't know how they do it. You know, the thing that is amazing about that show, beyond the other things we've been, we've been sort of just dialing into, is that exact thing. That they are theoretically the villains, yet we somehow root for them through this entire, uh, entire show. And... I didn't really pick up on the cognitive, cognitive dissonance of all that till during the pre-show when you pointed it out. <laughs> it's, it's wild. Um, 
Also, move, a TV show that I'm excited about, season two, they just announced this like two days ago, season two of Ted Lasso is coming back. Have you seen this show on Apple TV Plus? No, but I got to tell you this. I thought that, that was, it was all done from an SNL sketch because the commercials are so amazing. I thought it was Saturday Night Live. Uh, I need to get on Apple TV apparently to watch this because those commercials of, of Homeboy doing the, uh, foot, being the football coach yeah. in Europe, amazing. Tell yeah. me about the show, Ryan. Okay, yeah. I, I'm, I'm Much how you gave me a fantastic primer into all things Dungeons & Dragons in the last segment, I'm going to tell you about Ted Lasso because I'm telling you, my friend, you're going to like this show. This show is is just made for one Zach Sloan because in a lot of ways, Zach, you are the Ted Lasso of the music industry because, you know, so let me explain. Let me explain because you Please. only know him from the SNL sketch, but you're going to see why this is a compliment, okay? <laughs> because, yes, so Ted Lasso is based on a string of commercials that NBC did like two years ago when they originally got the contract to do the English Premier League. So Jason Sudeikis, the SNL alum, did these commercials to promote the Premier League where he was Ted Lasso, an American football coach that was sent to coach a English soccer team, uh, even though he knows nothing about soccer, right? So he's just saying all these football cliches, but doesn't know anything about the game. And the commercials were so hilarious. And I think uh, you know, people love the commercials even more than just watching the English Premier League on NBC that Apple TV Plus decided to make a whole TV show around this character. And so now it's it's an actual TV show now where Jason Sudeikis is Ted Lasso. He's a successful college football coach that they bring to England to coach a, you know, down on their luck English Premier League soccer team on the brink of relegation. And oh. But the reason why people have fallen in love with this show, Zach, and this is why I say that you are the Ted Lasso of the music industry, is Ted Lasso is the nicest, kindest person. And so the whole show is Ted Lasso winning over this town of just hardened soccer fans who hate him because he doesn't know anything about soccer. And he wins them over one person at a time because he's just such a kind, pure-hearted human being. And... I see people who who say that Ted Lasso you know, made the pandemic easier for them. That it was what we needed during the pandemic because it was it was com it was the comfort food of television. This particular show, and it was just nice to see a good person, you know, doing good person things uh, on a weekly basis on this program. And people fell in love with this show, and so people are really excited that it has a second season. I think they've already approved a third season. The show is so popular. And so uh, you're going to love this character, and I think this show is going to resonate with you, even if you're not a soccer fan. I, I don't – and actually, in a weird way, I, I'm gradually becoming a soccer fan. Uh, but what you're saying, I think, okay, I'll give it to you that it is a compliment. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I knew I'd get – I'd get you there eventually. You get – you get all you, you know, flattery will get you everywhere. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that I think strikes me as particularly interesting about this is like the fish out of water story has been done a million times, right? But this is a spin on fish out of water that I don't think I've ever like. It's not that he gets good, apparently. It's not like he figures out his job. It's just that he's so nice they can't fire him. Is that the gist of it? I mean, he learns the game a little bit, right? Oh, okay. But, you know, like I think at the beginning he doesn't know that matches can end in draws and things like that. You know, he, <laughs> you know doesn't know what offsides is. And, you know, so he, he's really struggling with the whole medium, but in the whole sport. But, you know, he does learn the game. But what he what is sort of the conceit of the show is that he's a good coach, not because he, you know, he knows the X's and O's of the game. It's a, but he knows how to motivate people. He knows how to relate to people. He knows how to bring people together and unite the team and unite the town. And so he winds up, you know, spoiler alert, he winds up being the right man for the job. And so that's why they, you know, that's why they're season two. They haven't fired him yet. Right, exactly. <laughs> and it's, it, it, the show will warm your heart and, you know, you, you'll, you'll definitely enjoy it. You were telling me in the pre-show, Zach, that you're, the show that you're all about right now with your wife is Good Girls. I'll, I'll confess, I'm yeah. not familiar with this particular program. Okay, so here's how Good Girls happened. I was trying to get my, wa my wife to do a rewatch of Breaking Bad. Uh, You'll hear me talk. I was living in Albuquerque when Breaking Bad was filmed. We used to see the camera crew around town, blah, blah, blah. My wife said, Zach, 
that is one of the most violent, horrific shows I've ever seen, and I'm never going back. <laughs> It'll and then back. my niece said, you know, the show Good Girls is kind of the same thing, but, like, more palatable. And my wife was like, okay, cool. So the idea is it's suburban moms who are down on their luck, needing money, resort to selling drugs and things like that. And it is comedy, suspense, and detective sleuthing kind of stuff all at once in a way that is feels fresh, even though it's not a particularly new idea. It's done in a very interesting way. Wow, that's... I mean, I'm down with it. I, I love... I'm a really big fan of the of that whole genre of the normal people getting pushed to have to do illegal things for the right reasons. Yeah. And then usually by season five or six, they start doing it for the wrong reasons, too, and they become really good at it. You know, yeah. like Breaking Bad, like Weeds is kind of in this yes. same universe and, you know, is was absolutely delightful show that I really enjoyed. And it sounds like this show is kind of in that same vein. And so I'd probably get into it. I I hope I, I hope this one doesn't go as dark as either of the shows that you mentioned because I need my wife to keep watching it. I so mean, that's it. It will. It's got to stay light. I mean, I, I, it, ha it has to. It's like that's how this works. Like it's for like I don't know anything about the show, but first it's uh, we got to do illegal things to pay for some my, our kids' medical treatment or because right. we're about to lose our house. But by season two or three, the kid got the medical treatment they needed. The house is paid for, and then some. And now it's yeah. just okay. Now we're just evil. <laughs> now, yeah. Now it's like I need a second Maserati, so That's I'm gonna right. keep selling this. Yeah. And you know, but it's but but for your sake, I know you love just kind of the way it is. I hope you at least get till season five before they just become purely dark-hearted. Oh my goodness, I'm okay with it either way, but my wife prefers it that way. Uh, also, uh, just to quickly mention this, uh, I'm not particularly excited about this, but ten-year-old Ryan is really excited that there's a new Mortal Kombat movie, and I'll probably watch it. <laughs> 38-year-old Zach is very excited yes. for the Mortal Kombat movie. Oh, oh my God. It's gonna be it's gonna be pretty epic, I'm sure. All right, let's bring in our guests. We've we've been we've been horsing around here enough. Our, I'm so excited to talk to her. She's a celebrated musician, producer, and actress. Her latest release, the alternative meditation album Enchant, dropped earlier this year. And you can find out more about her work by visiting janejensenmusic.com. So happy to talk to Jane Jensen here on Break the Business. Hi, Jane. Hello, Ryan. I made it in. You did. <laughs> Hi, Zach. Well, What's up? Uh, we'd wait forever for you, Jane. This is, uh, oh, you know, so kind. thank you I for handling the technology. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, good to have you here. I got so much to talk to you about. Um, as, as I was saying to Zach in the first segment, I love the artists that were you know, doing the indie thing before it was cool to do the indie thing, have, you know, had a incredible career in the industry, have so many lessons to share with some of the new, younger uh, content creators out there. And so we're thrilled to talk to you. And I want to talk to you first about this progression of your career, because I think one of the best ways to look at sort of how your career has progressed is how your work has changed over time. So to give the listeners an example here, your new album, Enchant, is very different than some of your earlier albums like Burner and Comic Book Horror, which were very much alt-rock as opposed to this current work, which is very different alternative meditation. What made it? What made you want to really just completely change up your genre like that? Um, well, it was definitely, it wasn't so much that I wanted to change up my genre, but it was very much that I wanted to create something that I felt that I deeply needed for myself. And I do have um, a meditation practice that I do, but it's not something that I sh have shared before. And I, I got to a point where I felt like I really need more of this in my life. And I really want to find a way to share it with people that like my music where they'll enjoy it and, and it, perhaps it'll start um, a new practice for them. Um, it might be a way for them to find their way into meditation where they, they might not have before. Um, it is kind of an alternative approach to meditation because it's, uh, it's much more based in um, musical chanting. And um, it's a bit different than some of the, the more standard kirtan. Um, so it, it 
it's not that I am changing genres and this is all that I am going to do from here moving forward. It's just that I, I felt that I needed this more in my life. And um, I was recovering from an injury myself and I was looking for deeper ways to engage and, and relieve stress. Um, and so I really just dug into this practice. I can't help but think that it sounds if you know, one of the impetuses for you creating this album was to help you work through some internal things that you were going through. But I imagine for many of the people who are listening to it, it's going to be therapeutic for them, for all of us on an external level, because we're all kind of going through the same unifying trauma right now in the form of the pandemic. Is it safe to say that the current state of the world did was also something that prompted you to want to put this work out there? Yes, uh, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, all of us sort of living within our four walls for so long, um, you know, when you can't go out, there's another place to go and you can just go deeper in. And, and so I really wanted to explore that with my music and with my thoughts and, um, and with my meditation practice. And, um, mainly what I, I had, I had a chant in a meditation practice and I was, leaving it with what I would do with my guitar, but I really wanted to have a really gorgeous, rich, lush musical um, environment for these, these chants and these meditations to live in. And, um, and I was really lucky to connect with someone that I've been a fan of for a long time named Shrikala. And um, we got together and, and started work on this and um, it, it just, uh, it became everything that I hoped that it would become. So um, I'm very pleased with it. I'm really excited to share share it with people. And um, I think even if you're not interested in developing a meditation practice, which I hope I hope that most people will be inspired to do that. Um, it's it's enjoyable just to listen to, and it takes you out of the day to day. Norm, I think. Well, on the artistic side of the ledger, I, I often speak with a lot of musicians who are in the same way that you have, considering making a decision to have their next work be a different genre or just a different artistic approach than a previous work, but they feel pressure because they, you know, you know, will my will my fans respond to this positively? Uh, will my you know, will the, you know, my agent or my manager respond to this positively? And I'm sure when you created this work, you probably faced some of those doubts and concerns. What ultimately gave you the strength to feel like you were making the creative decision that was right for you in going with an alternative meditation album? Um, well, when you're an independent artist, you really do get to uh, steer the boat. Um, and I was so... Uh, passionate about doing it that I really couldn't, I, I didn't, I didn't really weigh, you know, is this the smart thing for me to do right now? Or I did think that many of my fans were going to listen to it and be put off by it. I did think that that was certainly a risk. Um, but it felt more important to me to make this music and kind of live in this music. And, um, so that was the deciding factor. I just, um, you know, I feel like you really need to follow your passion and you really need to follow your bliss where it leads you. And um, if you do that, I think in the end, you know, you you win. I love that perspective. And I love what you brought up right in the beginning of that answer, which is I'm an independent artist. I have control over my creative direction and this is the right decision for me. That's the kind of perspective we love to hear around here. And it was awesome to hear it from you, Jane. Speaking of you being an independent musician, I love having on the creators that have been in the game for a long time and have been independent musicians for a long time because I love to get their perspective on how what it means to be an indie artist has changed, say, in the last 10 years or 20 years. Can you reflect a little bit about what your experience as an independent musician has been today versus what it was, say, when you put out Comic Book Horror? Well... When Comic Book Core came out, I started as an independent artist, but was picked up by a major label. Mm -hmm. um, so I've really run the gamut of experience with um, 
you know, how to approach a career and what that career experience is like. I would say now being an independent artist is extremely different than it was, um, for example, when I put Burner out. And one of the biggest differences and the gigantic learning curve is that I took time off because I had children. So it has completely changed with all of the social media and all of the different tools. And it's a, you know, it's almost like a, you have to go to college to learn how to do all of this stuff to promote your own album. Um, so, you, you know, you get, you have a lot more control. Um, you can really get in there and, uh, and, and create a story and create a brand. And, um, but there's a lot to learn even in that. So um, I'm, as I said, I took some time off. So a lot of it, I'm now relearning, um, you know, how to, how to approach an independent music career. That's an interesting thought process on it. Cause a lot of the artists that I've talked to and asked that question to, they talk about it being a gradual change, right? Every time they put out a new album, the rules get slightly different and the way that we promoted the album gets slightly different. But for somebody in your position who took a break in between you really started in one world when Burner came out, and then when you put this album out, you're in a completely different industry, I'm, I'm guessing. And, right. and so you yeah. really had to just adjust to what must have been a pretty big shock to your system. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, I mean, has it, been, has it been exciting for you? Do, do you like kind of the new world that you're in now? Yeah, it is really exciting. It's, um, you know, uh, developing all of, you know, the Instagram account and the Facebook account and the Twitter account and trying to make all these things work in concert is, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's fun. It's, it is kind of fun having the tools to make your own brand and, um, and, and, and tell your own story and promote, promote yourself in a way that those, you know, those opportunities, they certainly weren't available when I put burner out. Um, so it's exciting. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. That's that's lovely to hear. And again, you can find out more about our guest's work and check out her new album, Enchant, by visiting www.janejensenmusic.com. Jane, I have a customary final question that I ask all the guests on the program, but before I get to that famous final question that we do, I have been told that you have a pretty interesting hidden talent that I would just be committing journalistic malpractice to not ask you about. Oh, no. Apparently, you have a very good farm whistle. Is there any way that you can share this with us? I I need to hear a farm whistle. You re you really you really want to hear it? Nothing would I make me my happier. husband with it all the time. Please. Whoa! What? <laughs> Did you, Zach, that, that, that was two fingers. Like, that, that's like. Uh, yeah. No, that was four. That was, oh that my God. Two, two for him. What, two, just, that's, that's amazing. I mean, that's, how, I that's how you know it's legit. Did I ears out? No. Oh. Yeah, when you grow up, uh, you know, I had farms across the street from my house and woods in the back. And so, you know, my dog. That was the. I had to develop that so my dog could always. Let me let me just let me, let me give it a shot. Yeah, no, I got nothing. I don't know how she did that. That was magic, Zach. That was a that was a legit magic trick that she did right now. That was so cool. I'll, I'll tell you what. At first, I was skeptical because I grew up in a tiny town. My graduating class was ten, Jane. So, but when I saw you go double finger, I was like, okay, she knows what's up. <laughs> so, ga game respects game. I, I'm, I love it. All right. All right, Jane, okay. before we let you go, and, I mean, as if your your musical product wasn't enough talent, you bring us that piece of talent with that amazing farm whistle. Before we let you go, one last question for you. Do you have any last tips to share with the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward? I do. Um, and, and mainly, it's, uh, you know, we set goals, but I think that we have to set creative goals. It's important to have creative goals, not just monetary goals. And um, if you know what your creative goals are and you can achieve those goals, then you will be winning. Um, and it's so important to grow as creative people and as artists. And, um, you know, the business is important too, but your creative spirit is something that um, you really have to tend to. And that's the thing that will keep you moving forward and 
and being very powerful in your in your music career. Outstanding. I love it. Great perspective. Again, listeners, check her out at janejensenmusic.com. And frankly, I think we're all in the need in need for a little uh, new age meditation music. So let's all check out Enchant together. It dropped earlier this year. I was listening to it uh, all day yesterday. It is fantastic. Uh, Jane, thank you so much for being on this week. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Nice meeting you and Zach both. Yeah, great having her. What a what a treat she yeah. was, Zach. Uh, I, I had oodles of fun talking to her. Um, and, and the guests keep coming, by the way, Zach. Uh, so many great guests coming up over uh, the next five or six weeks. And next week we got Michael Elsner of Master Music Licensing, which I'm pretty stoked for. I would say of any topic that we cover on Break the Business in terms of what is asked for me to cover – it's always sync. All the musicians want to know about sync. Sync, sync, sync. And so we're bringing on the sync master here. Michael Elsner, Master Music Licensing. He, he's got his four steps to sync, sync licensing success. And we're all going to have our notepads down writing them out. So that's next week. Uh, definitely a can't-miss episode. And uh, pretty excited for that one. we got a lot of great guests coming up. I, I'm, I'm so excited for just you know how the folks kind of in our you know network are just really just digging the live stream and want to be part of it yeah. and it's it's been really fun really humbling it's a blast for me and i'll tell you what i'll be tuning in next week take with my with my legal pad out because sync licensing is something i still don't understand so i can't wait for that episode. <laughs> well good we're all going to learn a little something um in addition i am going to start uh, streaming video games again for those of you who enjoyed when i did that on the channel uh just got MLB The Show 21. I'm going to play some baseball. I'm terrible at it. I played a little bit on my lunch break today. I am absolutely atrocious. And so y'all can check me out uh, playing video games very poorly because I'm in my 30s now and I have a day job. And unlike the rest of you kids, I can't play all day. And so I'm bad at these games. So you can watch me be bad at them. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah. Zach, always a pleasure, my man. This has been a, such a treat. Um, Love having you on every time. Thank you so much for taking the time. Hey, thanks for having me. Take care, indie artists. Yeah, I like that. That's a good sign-off. Yeah. I've been workshopping that. That's just solid. Absolutely solid. All right, everybody. Thank you all so much for checking out Break the Business. We will see you next week.